Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, If you listen to the show, you know that I'm going to ask you to please review us on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for people to find us. So if you have a few minutes and you want to go in there and give us, hopefully, a a five-star review, that'd be great. Um, It's June. I'm sort of shocked, I'll be honest with you, how we got here so fast, but we did. So it's already June. And so for those students who are rising seniors, if you hadn't haven't started doing much as far as your college process is concerned, now's the time. But anyway, we'll be talking about that all summer. Um, later on in the show, we're going to talk about insurance for students going away to college, different types, things to think about. But before that, we're actually going to spend two segments talking about going to college with ADD, ADHD. And I'm really excited to join Hannah Choi, who is an executive function coach at Beyond Booksmart and also the host of Focus Forward, an executive function podcast. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate um, you joining today because this is an area in which certainly we work with students who face these challenges, but uh, we're not experts in this area. So, and that's what you are. So maybe I was hoping we could start by you telling us a little bit more about your background and about Beyond Booksmart. Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, let's see. Well, I'll start with Beyond Booksmart. Um, uh, Beyond Booksmart is um, an executive function coaching company. And I saw that you've actually, um, you didn't, but one of your hosts uh, interviewed Michael Delman, who is our CEO back in the beginning of the pandemic. So, um, so he was on already, and we provide um, executive function support for um, people of all ages. Um, um, not that many elementary, mostly middle school, high school, college, and beyond. So, um, I personally mostly work with college age students, and but I have worked with clients of all ages, and um, I have uh, two kids who are rising sixth graders and ninth graders. And before um, I had my kids, I worked at a community college in Santa Barbara, California in the Office for Students with Disabilities. And in that role, I supported um, students very similarly to how I do now. And students there had ADHD, as do many of our clients today. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, and I mean, I think that in general, you know, we may be, we may have a lot of listeners with students who have actual diagnoses, or perhaps they've just noticed that executive functioning, not a strength for their student. And I think Probably not a bad idea to say that this could be helpful for many people, whether you have this diagnosis or not. Yes, and that's something that I really try to um, help people understand um, as host of Focus Forward is that you do not need to have a diagnosis to have challenges with executive function um, skills. You know, all of us have some area of executive functioning that we find more challenging than others, and that's okay. And there are so many different strategies and tools and approaches that can um, level the playing field in those areas. So, Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Before we go there, um, I did want to start with kind of college, right? And the kinds of supports that are available to students, maybe who have the diagnoses in college, because I know that this varies. And we have certainly talked on the show before about some of um, the types of programs that are out there, but I would love to get your take on, you know, what, what different options are you tend, are you going to tend to find out there at colleges? Yeah. So um, the the point that you made about having a diagnosis is an important one because in order to take advantages advantage of the services provided by the um, disability services office, which every college will have um, because of the ADA, um, the um, um, the ADA requires support for people with any kind of diagnosis like that. So um, it is important to have a diagnosis. Um, going in if you're looking for support specifically from the disability services office. Um, And so uh, the range of support, you know, can vary from extended time on tests, um, maybe taking um, the 
taking the tests outside of the regular classroom setting, um, note taking, um, extensions on projects. And something that I always really encourage my clients to take advantage of is um, getting connected with the office. And even if they don't use any of those services, it's really great to have a connection with the office because they can help you if you need to advocate for yourself. Um, most professors are very accommodating. Um, some professors find it harder to be accommodating for learning differences. And so having the um, disability services office kind of on your side uh, can be, even if that's all you use it for, just like having someone maybe finding some confidence how to communicate to your professor that, that you know, the needs that you have, um, it can be really great to have that them on your side. And in terms of, um, is it your experience that there are some schools that, you know, so there are ADA requirements, right? That's kind of the Mm -hmm. basics. Are there schools that go kind of above and beyond that to do much more for their students? And, you know, what do those programs typically look like? Yeah, well, it, um, the services that are provided, um, I, I, I believe they will not vary too much. I mean, you're going to find that extended time on tests and, you know, different test-taking environments and note-taking and, and all, the, all the variety of supports that are out there. But what you might find varies from school to school is the environment of the office mm-hmm. and the, just kind of the vibe that you get from it. And so, you know, um, just finding someone within the office that you work really well with is really important. And so... You can, I think you can expect to find the support that you need from a school, how they provide it is going to vary. And so I do think it's really important when you're touring schools to to, to stop by the Office for Students with Disabilities and find out what does it feel like in there? You know, how do they approach supporting students? You know, um, and that's another thing to keep in mind is that something for people with ADHD, it's really, really, really helpful to have people in your life that get you, right? That mm-hmm. understand why certain things are challenging and why you might need to do something differently. And so if you walk into that office and you feel like, oh, they get me, then mm-hmm. that's a, that's like a school you should apply to. Right. And I mean, it could even be as simple as how many people are in the office? Are there yeah. students in there, right? Accessing yes. help. Are there a lot of staff members or is it very sparsely staffed? Now, important to note, if you're there at lunchtime, that may not tell you, right, what you need to know. So asking questions, how many people are typically, you know, how many students come in here on a regular basis? How many people work here? Um, Because certainly one of the things we've seen is that some schools take those ADA requirements, you know, they're going to do the minimum and not more. And other schools are really going to go all out. Um, Where I worked at Penn, there was a whole specially funded program for students with challenges that extended beyond just needing um, a diagnosis um, that an alum had funded. And so you might find, you know, a program like that. But I love the idea, which I've actually never talked to students about before. So adding this one to my repertoire of just saying, like, how does it feel when you're in there? Do you feel like they kind of get you? Which I think is really good one. Yeah. And and all those questions that you mentioned is such a big part of that self-advocacy piece. And um, the, the best way to practice that is to walk in or call and say, hey, you know, these are the services that I've used before. How can I take advantage of them now? Or I've never, I qualify for these services. I did not need them in high school. I anticipate that I might need them in college. You know, how can I take advantage of that? And that office is a really safe place to practice that self-advocacy. Right, right. And and I know that we have parents who are listening who are maybe saying, well, I can do that for them. But I love that message, too, is maybe before you do the visit, if you can sit and practice with your child yes. to get them, they have their list of questions that they can ask mm-hmm. and feel confident asking them. And then, you know, you can always be there um, to ask a follow up, but maybe as having them initiate the conversation could be great. And I think also, you know, asking for questions around how when are you open? right? Is this a nine to five thing? So it'll be difficult to access if you have a really full day during the day. Are they going to be there at night when you're working on homework? You know, when are the hours you're going to be able to engage with that office? I think would probably be another good question to ask. 
Absolutely. I loved it when I worked in that office when kids would come in and the parents would stand back and the, and the kid would turn around and look at the parent for the support and the parent would say, go ahead. You know, you, you ask the question, you're you're here now, it's your turn. And right. I, I love that. They're there just in case to answer the questions that the kids don't know the answers to, but they're, you know, really encouraging their child and really setting their self up their kids up for success by allowing them to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh yeah, I, I think anytime the student is the one putting the first foot forward is always, always a great thing. And we certainly encourage that. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious if there are any, um, any tips that you would have for, you know, students just kind of trying to think about what do I actually need when I get to college? Um, because like you say, maybe a student has a diagnosis but hasn't accessed any of those services yet. <laughs> maybe they never got a diagnosis or they just got a diagnosis, or they know that there are a few things, you know, how do you go about figuring out what it is you need so that when you're on the campus looking at it, you are better prepared to look for those things? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think the first part of the answer to that is to make sure that you're making that visit to the office early on in the beginning of the semester. And yes, you're right. You're not going to know what you're going to need. Or maybe you do. Maybe you know yourself really well. You know you've used accommodations all through high school. And so you know yourself really well. But if you're a person who isn't really sure, or like you said, you've just been diagnosed, or maybe you're curious if you have ADHD and you want to get diagnosed, I really recommend going in early before the stress of the semester sets in. And yes, you're not going to know what you need, but that's, um, they can work through that with you, ask you questions. What kind of learner are you? What kind of, how do you approach your learning? How do you approach your, you know, test taking? What's challenging? What are you good at? And then um, they can help you and then narrow down what accommodations um, might be helpful. And then they'll walk you through how to take advantage of them. But I cannot stress enough to go in the beginning of the semester because if you go in at midterms or even at finals, it's going to be mobbed in there and you're already going to be really highly stressed out. It's going to be difficult to access your executive function skills anyway because you're going to be stressed out. So if you already know the people in there, they already know you, you know what you can take advantage of. It just makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, like, maybe that's the thing you do week one when orientation and things are going on, right? Because exactly to your point, if you wait until you have a problem, it's so much harder for them to help you. Um, as you're going through it. Yeah. And that actually goes right hand in hand with something that I always um, challenge my college students to do is to introduce themselves to their professors in the first two weeks of class. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you pair um, introducing yourself at the disabilities office and connecting with them at the same time, then if you need any support from the disability office to um, work through a script that you might use to, when you are introducing yourself to, to the professor, you can feel really supported because you've, you've, you're going into that meeting with the professor with a little bit more uh, knowledge. Yes, exactly. They've experienced it. Oh, you're going to meet with a professor. Let me tell you, here are some things that tend to work and here are things maybe you just don't, you want to stay away from kind of thing. Yeah. And they also probably know the professors. So they know, you know, oh, you know, they're so supportive. Don't worry about it. Or, oh, you know, I've heard in the past that they're not as supportive, but, you know, so here's something that you might say. Right, right. I love that advice. And actually, I'm going to give that advice around going in there early and um, making that connection to the college search process. You know, we talk a lot about visiting colleges, and I know that it's not always possible. um, But if you're a student with ADD, ADHD, um, you know, this is going to be a challenge when you get to college. I think visiting becomes even more important and making those visits early. So we definitely talk to people who are sort of like, well, I'm going to apply and then I'm going to see where we get in, where I get in, and then I'm going to go do my visits. And that is not a good strategy when you know that you have special, you know, support needs when you arrive in college. You need to be doing that early because what if all the schools you visit don't feel right? Well, now you need to maybe visit some additional schools. And I will say this, that um, physically visiting is certainly the ideal, but 
you don't have to. You can do remote visits. You can make appointments with those disability offices to ask questions. And while it won't be entirely like the real thing, you might use that as a way to narrow down the schools that you will visit, yes. right? Yes, and beforehand. Exactly. So yes. we're going to continue to hit on that. Start this process early. It's super important when you have when you're in a situation where you just know you're going to need more than the average student. And yeah. I think that's important. Or even if you even if uh, the student thinks they might not use it, um, and I always tell them like it's okay if you don't use it. You don't need to use the services. I still encourage encourage you to go in and introduce yourself and just find out what's available. And then it's up to you whether you use it or not. Any particular place that you recommend students go to see kind of like. What is, I mean, we talked about, you talked about already, the general supports are going to be the same from school to school. How they're delivered might feel a little different. Is there any resource that you encourage students to use or anything, any place to go that you found very useful for students? Yeah, I really encourage um, students that are neurodivergent to take advantage of any resource that's on campus, especially their academic advisor. That's hugely important. Build a really strong relationship with your academic advisor early on. Um, and then the tutoring centers, math centers, writing centers, they are there exactly for that. And and everyone that works there wants to be there and they're really interested in you know the, the work that they're doing. So I really, I really encourage you to take advantage of that. Quick question, and then we're going to go to break. And that is, um, I, I find sometimes that a lot of parents of neurodivergent students, perhaps less the students themselves, feel like small is always going to be best, a small school, small campus. What's your experience with that? Well, I think it really goes back to how you feel on the campus because some of the larger schools are going to be able to offer more. Um, for example, you know, a, a large school might have a psychiatrist on campus, um, you know, which which can be really helpful for students who might not want to leave campus to go to manage their meds. Right. Um, so, you know, it really depends on, I think, how high your needs are and also just what how the school feels for you. And I think that's why it's really important to visit to visit both. I don't think that um, you should write off a large school if it has like a small community feel and can provide the services that you need. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. Thank you. Um, I hate blanket statements when it comes to college because it's basically yeah. impossible to make them. And so, um, yeah, one thing might be for a student who has a lot of needs is maybe not looking so far from home that it would be difficult, yes. right, for your yes. family to get to you. But otherwise, like yep. be open to what's available yep. out there. All right, yep. we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk, keep talking, talk some more about this stuff. So don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ian from College Coach reminding you that summer is a great time to focus on college planning before your students get busy with schoolwork and application deadlines in the fall. We are offering 10% off an admissions advising package from College Coach through the month of June. Make your way to getintocollege.com Fill out an inquiry form, and you'll receive more information about our packages. This offer expires on Friday, June 30th, so make your way to getintocollege.com today. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We're here with Hannah Choi. We're talking about um, executive functioning in college, ADD, ADHD, and sometimes uh, some of what we're talking about is going to be relevant to students who don't have a diagnosis. Um, All right, so Hannah, my next question is really, you've applied to college, you've gotten in, you're feeling pretty good about your choice. Are there things that students and parents can do basically this summer um, before they head off to college in order to be better prepared for what awaits when they get there? Yes, absolutely. And what we were talking about before the break is, of course, really important connecting with the Disability Services Office. Even if um, your child thinks they won't take advantage of the services, it's still really important to get connected. And that part there is really important that you might experience some resistance from your kid. Um, I have noticed a lot of my clients um, come to me and say, yeah, when I was in high school, I used you know, some kind of accommodations. But when I got to college, I really didn't want to use them. And um, I really wanted to try uh, going without them. And then uh, they often end up in executive function coaching and right. recognizing, okay, I need to learn some strategies and um, and some tools that can support me while I'm in school because going without accommodations is not working. Right. Um, so I just want to warn parents that you might see that resistance in your kid. They might not be open to a conversation about what services they're going to use in college. And um, I think that it's okay. It's okay to let them try. It's hard to, um, to you feel like you're allowing them to fail, uh, but forcing a kid or trying to force a kid to use the services is not always going to be successful. Um, but I do encourage uh, students and their parents, if um, they're willing to have the conversation together, to do some self-reflection and look back on high school and, and what came easily to you and what was difficult and and what strategies have worked for you um, and you know what what things didn't work and um, and just kind of making some guesses about what might come up for you and under and helping our kids understand how it shifts when you're in high school, like 80% of it, you're really supported and 20% Mm -hmm. you're on your own. And then when you go off to college, you know, it kind of switches and they're like, here's some, here's 20% of support. And now 80% is all on you. And so kind of anticipating what you might need um, is really important. And just practicing that self-reflection and practicing um, one of the executive function skills that I love is called metacognition. And that is like learning how we learn, understanding how we think, how our brains work, and just spending some time to try to figure that out is a really worthwhile time, worthwhile thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, and the while at the same time, right, that you're going to go from like 80% support to 20% on your own, you're also going from probably 90% support at home with everything to... Yes. on your own, right? Now no one's doing your laundry, um, hounding you to pick up your room, but at the same time, no one's hounding you to pick up your, maybe your roommate, Um, right? right? It's on you to make sure you get to the dining hall when they're open so you can eat. It's on you to make sure that you are, you know, typically in college, your classes are going to meet maybe once every two or three days. And then the rest of the time you need to get your work done. I mean, so it's not just not you not having the same level of support. It's also that almost everything changes, right? And it's all so on you. Um, In a world where we don't require in the U.S. as much independence as some countries do expect of their college students. So you're getting some support, but not a lot. So it's a big change is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yes, it really is. And that self-care piece is so important. And for kids with ADHD, uh, sometimes that self-care piece can be forgotten about and um, can be overlooked um, because it's kind of boring and we're not really interested in doing that. So I always build into all of my coaching sessions with college students. We talk about sleep, nutrition, and exercise. I always check in, how's your sleep? How's your nutrition and how's your exercise? Because those three things, if you can keep those top of mind and um, keep up with those, it just makes everything else a lot better, a lot easier. So having the conversation about that with your kid before they go off to school, like, you know, 
how, where is the dining hall? What do they offer? Um, you know, how are you going to make sure that you're getting up on time and, 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 you know, managing your time at night, like when it's time to go to bed and, and, and what are you going to do about getting exercise and how are you going to do your laundry if you don't know how to do your laundry yet? Or, you know, practicing those things right. over the summer is really helpful. Yes. As a parent, um, well, I will say this. I'm a, I have been in my life a relatively hands-off parent and I've been very lucky. My son has responded well to that. He really likes being independent. Um, but, you know, like he's been doing his laundry uh, or he had been, He's he just completed freshman year in college. He sort of had done his laundry. I always did my laundry as a kid. I didn't require it as much of him because I'm divorced and he was going back and forth. But as a parent, if you have your kid and they're at home, they should be doing laundry. And granted, it's going to be a little bit more challenging as if they have, you know, ADD, ADHD, but that doesn't mean they can't be doing their own laundry. Right. Right. They shouldn't be learning that. When you arrive on college campus, now it's even more confusing because they've got a coin thing and it's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, and also, a coin thing. Yeah. And as a person with ADD, ADHD, you might already feel um, a little different. And so you don't want to be walking around in dirty clothes. You know, you want to no. feel confident about yourself. And so it's it sounds like a silly thing, but you're so right. It's really important for kids with ADHD, all kids, but especially kids with ADHD, to have autonomy and ownership of their self-care. And that laundry piece is a huge part of it. Yes, yes. And the only other thing I will say, because I've, I've seen it be an issue for um, just my son this past year, is just it wasn't an issue that he didn't know the dining hall wasn't open. It was more an issue that, oh, the dining hall wasn't open when he really wanted it to. So if you know that you're someone who's maybe going to want to eat late at night or might forget to eat, and then what is your option? You know, scoping out the hours of the dining hall, of course, where the dining hall is, but also the hours and also like what else is open on campus or just off campus so that if you find, if you realize, ah, I forgot to eat, dinner and I'm starving, you have options or are there things you can have in your room, in your fridge or something like that that you can eat? So, yeah. yeah, that's really important for people with ADHD because a lot of ADHD medications um, uh, make it so that it's difficult to detect that you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it is important to have some kind of backup. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if the dining hall closed at eight and it's yeah. now 10, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So they've done some preparation over the summer. What are some col- common challenges that you're seeing that new college students run into um, when they actually are there um, going to class, that kind of thing? Yes. So I would say every single college student that I've ever worked with, whether they had ADHD or not, um, has some, has, finds it challenging to manage their time and mm-hmm. to switch from, you got to be at school at 7.30, you're done at two, and then you go to your after-school job or you play your sport and your your life is so scheduled and regimented. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh my gosh, I only have, you know, an hour and a half of class today and the rest of the time is free for me to do whatever I want. And so that that, that kind of switch is huge. Yeah. And so what I work on a lot with my clients is figuring out what's realistic, what's reasonable, and when you can schedule those realistic and reasonable goals in. Um, so I spend a lot of time figure, breaking down big assignments into small pieces and then mapping it out. When are you going to do this? And also having a backup time in case something else comes up. And I always tell my, I always tell my students that academics, like college is about academics. Yes. Like that's why we go. But The socialization part, learning social skills, learning about who we are, what kind of people we want in our lives, what kind of people we don't want in our lives, that's all really, really, really important. And so when you're able to manage your time well, then you can hang out on Friday and Saturday and Sunday guilt-free because you have managed your time well and you've gotten your stuff done. And now you don't have to have that little thing hanging over your head like you didn't write that essay, but you really want to hang out with your friends. And so if you're able to manage your time well, prioritize, learn that difficult skill of prioritizing, um, that can make all the difference in the world. Yes, I'm laughing partly because as an English major, I am thinking of the countless evenings that I was hanging out with my friends thinking, I 
really should have written that essay already. And I didn't. Right? Oh my gosh, I know. I mean, like you say, I think that's something everybody, well, many people struggle with. I shouldn't say everybody because not everybody does, but boy, did yeah. I. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think we won't be far off if we don't, if we say everybody, because it's such a shift. I mean, no high school is like college, you know? No, so it's, it's true. such a shift. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, the other, the other thing that I, that I brought up before is that self-reflection piece and, and learning how to admit when you've made a choice that was detrimental to whatever your health or your academics or, or your social life. And, and, um, and, and learning how to not see that as a mistake, but see it as an opportunity to learn and, and shifting, especially for kids with ADHD, they've heard so many corrective messages their entire life and to then be responsible for making these choices. And then they probably have a pretty negative narrative going on in their head mm. and to learn how to emotionally regulate, you know, regulate our emotions so that we're not completely felled by a mistake, like a mistake. I mean, it's right. not a mistake, but, you know, some, some choice that we made that didn't ultimately turn out how we thought it was going exactly. to be. Or the way we yeah. hoped it would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, um, that self-reflection piece and, and really in metacognition, really getting to know yourself and accepting yourself as you are. And then also recognizing like, okay, these are some things that I really need to work on. Um, and, and then, Every single executive function skill is able to be used if you are able to emotion regulate your emotions. Mm -hmm. If so, our executive function skills are all um, they reside in the prefrontal cortex, which is like the thinking part of our brain, mm -hmm. and then below that is our emotional brain. And so, we have to get up out of our emotional brain and into our thinking part of our brain to use our executive function skills. So, if we can't regulate our emotions, if we freak out at the smallest thing, or if we get really upset at a professor and we can't calm ourselves down and get back up to the thinking part of our brain, it's really difficult to prioritize and manage our time and organize our stuff and eat and sleep and exercise because we're too consumed by our emotions. So learning whatever regulates you. Is it exercise? Is it breathing? Is it, you know, absolutely making sure you're getting enough sleep? And so just figuring that part of yourself out and what's going to work for you there is going to make using all of those other executive function skills so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So all the things that most college students struggle with is just going to kind of exacerbate the situation if you do, if you are neuro neurodivergent. So um, really, really great advice. So um, Hannah, before we wrap up, um, I know you host your own podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you yeah. cover and where to find it? Yeah, well, the great thing about executive function skills is they impact every single aspect of our lives. Um, they're called executive function skills because they help us execute our days. So we cover everything and we cover all ages. Um, we have um, an episode coming up, which I'm super excited about. It's all about the brain and stress and parenting. And um, I have Ooh, Dr. Allison. Yes. Oh okay. my gosh. Dr. Allison Roy is coming on and she is just phenomenal. She's such a great speaker and she's really interesting. And so we just cover everything. You name it, we've covered it or will cover it. So, okay. and I have guests on and sometimes I do solo episodes. So got it. Yeah, and where can we find it? That sounds yeah. great. I'm going to listen yeah. to it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find it at beyondbooksmart.com slash podcast. And um, we're on all of the um, standard um, you know, podcasting uh, platforms. So you can find us if you just search for a fo focus forward. Um, and then I also host our um, free parenting webinars that Beyond mm -hmm. Booksmart provides. Um, and so you can find those on our events page too. So those are a lot of fun as well. Awesome. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing um, some great information here with our listeners. And for our listeners, if this situation or these challenges impact you, I would strongly encourage you to check out, check out the podcast, check out the free parent webinars. You know, maybe a coach at Beyond Booksmart is something you want to look into, or maybe it's simply just getting some great tips. Um, so either way, really appreciate yes. your time. Um, Thank you so much. 
much for having me. Absolutely. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about insurance of all things. Doesn't sound exciting, but it actually, you know, it's good, important information um, for those of you with students about to go off to college. So don't go away. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, We just wrapped up two segments on... um, going to college with executive functioning disorder, ADD, ADHD, maybe without a diagnosis. And there were some really great tips there. So if you're just joining us, go back and listen to the early going. Um, But now we're going to talk about insurance. And while insurance may not be the most exciting topic for any given day, it's important stuff. Um, And my colleague and former financial aid officer at Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, Michelle Smoley is here and she is exciting. So we're going to make it exciting. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, All right. So we're talking about insurance. And I will confess, as I pulled this uh, topic up and um, was looking at the questions, I was thinking to myself, huh, I don't have any insurance for my son who's in college. So I'm actually very interested to hear perhaps what I maybe should have considered doing. And it's not too late. He's got three years left. So um, really what we're talking about is what kind of insurance should you consider for college? And I guess my first question to you is why should college students consider or think about having insurance? It's definitely something young adults don't think about. Um, And, you know, I myself... Uh, my kids went to school about 10 years ago. And so I really didn't think about, oh, I should look at insurance when they live in the dorm. Um, so I think insurance is important because as we know, it helps protect income and, and assets. And college students are really, they're exposed to risky situations every day, whether yeah. they think about it or not. And so it is important to think about the various types of insurance, um, especially with the way society is today. And um, like I said, a lot of times the young adults don't think about um, the repercussions of maybe not having insurance should an accident happen. Right. Things like that. Exactly. And, um, you know, are people a little more Sue happy these days or do we just read about it more on social media? I don't know, but certainly um, it does feel like maybe that's an issue. So what are a couple of them kind of must have insurances that, that you feel most college students probably need? Sure. I would say first and foremost would be health insurance. Um, A lot of people don't think about this because most young adults and college students are covered under their parents' policies, um, which is fine, but colleges mandate that students have health insurance. 
students. And if the school is not provided documentation that they actually have insurance coverage, the school may bill the family. Um, and it's not uh, cheap uh, for school provided health insurance. So um, I know in a lot of conversations we're having with families now with preparing to send their uh, college bound uh, students uh, for the first time, um, they always say at the end of the call, what are some things I'm not thinking of? And I always bring up health insurance documentation. Um, and, um, I, and I just spoke with a, a mom actually yesterday, and I thought it was interesting. The school uh, partnered with a healthcare entity in their area, and she was doing her due diligence and kind of comparing um, coverage and is it in-network versus out-of-network. So just some things to think about. And if a family, you know, parents aren't watching every line item on the student's bill, you might pay for something that you don't need. Right, right. Or, you know, maybe um, you don't, we do have health insurance. So I will say that, like, I, I do have health insurance for my child. So when I was like, we don't have insurance, we do have that. Um, we actually opted for the one through the school for a number of reasons, one of which was because it just made things easier. Um, as I mentioned, even a little earlier in the podcast, I'm divorced, and we split costs. And so it just made that piece a little bit easier. But um, it is a good idea, right? Check it out, make sure that what you have is the better option than maybe what the school is offering. Occasionally, you might find that the school is offering something that's relatively equivalent for maybe a different price, or it could be better. I don't know. I'm not sure that this was necessarily a better option, but it was certainly an equivalent option to what um, we had before he went off to school. Um, what is there another, any other must have insurances? Um, another one would be automobile insurance. Mm, and, yeah. you know, most families have auto coverage, but there's a couple things to think about here. If your college student is taking their automobile to school, you need to let your insurance company know you're going to be charged based on the location of the college. And a lot of insurance companies want to know if the car is going to be garaged, where it's going to be garaged. Um, so that is definitely something um, also to consider. Um, on the flip side, the other thing regarding auto insurance is if you want to save a little bit of money and it, it uh, may not ever hurt to ask your agent if your student isn't taking their car to college, yeah. um, would they provide you a little bit of a, a discount based on the fact that the student is far away and they're not taking their car to college. So obviously there's less risk involved from the insurance company's perspective. But, you know, if, if your student is taking an automobile, definitely make sure that they know where the insurance card is because that's mandatory as well should something happen and, yep. and something gets pulled over. Um, and you want to make sure that, you know, you have adequate coverage for medical and, and liability as it relates to automobile insurance. Yes. Okay. Great. Um, very important. What about things like protecting belongings? Um, you know, do you feel like students need insurance to cover those items? I think it depends. I know like the belongings that young adults have today are much more valuable than what I took to college. Uh, you know, there's a lot more technology, electronics, um, expensive, you know, handbags, jewelry, you know, even though we say to keep the valuables at home, mm -hmm. sometimes they may still um, go with the, the student to college. So um, I do think it is something to consider. Um and along with that, and this is something that I think a lot of families, especially first-time families, don't think about, is covering those belongings if the student is living on campus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so check with your insurance agent to see if your current homeowner's insurance policy would cover 
should there be a, a theft or fire or flood or, or something of, of that nature um, as it relates to belongings. If a student is living off campus, many um, landlords are going to or rental companies are going to require proof of insurance on the belongings. They have insurance to cover the structure, but their insurance is not going to cover what you have um, there with, with the, the college student. And if there are items of value, you know, you might have to add a writer to a current policy um, as it relates to whether it's, you know, jewelry or again, a laptop or, or something of that nature. But um, this is kind of the insurance some families tend to miss and, and really yeah. think about unless something happens. Yeah. I mean, I will say when I read it, I thought, what does my son have that's of any value? You know, like he's got a bunch of t-shirts and a couple of sneakers. And then you started talking about technology. I was like, oh, right. And an expensive computer and an expensive phone. And I mean, that's probably it uh, for him. But but yeah, you know, all of those things, as you began to list them, I thought, oh, yeah, those are expensive things that you, you know, it's probably a great idea to have them insured. So Good advice. Um, so on a previous segment, we discussed tuition insurance. Um, and now seems like a good time to kind of bring that back up again. And let's talk about a little bit like, what is it? And is that something that's necessary? Sure. Um, tuition insurance is offered oftentimes by a third party that is partnered with the college or university. And it can cover up to 100% of the directly billed costs like tuition and fees, um, room and board, both, I guess, on campus and, and sometimes off campus, depending on, on the policy. Um, if the student passes away, if the student needs to withdraw from, from the institution. So this is, you know, fairly newish in the last 10 or so years. Um, obviously, this wasn't anything available when when I went to school. But as we all know, college is expensive and it is an investment. And is it is it necessary? Um, I think that is a, a family decision based on certain factors of resources to pay for school, as well as does the student have any medical conditions or mental health um, scenarios that uh, where it might be um, where the student might need to withdraw. Right. Um, a, a couple of, of things regarding uh, tuition insurance. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, we'll get asked how much does it cost? Um, it's usually about 1% of the tuition cost uh, per semester. So, you know, if tuition is $25,000, you are going to pay $250 uh, for the, the policy. Mm -hmm. Policies vary on what they cover. So families need to be very aware of that, especially as it relates to if a student withdraws due to anxiety or depression, maybe a pre-existing medical condition, um, not um, all types of withdrawal scenarios are covered. Right. Um, but it could give some peace of mind to some families. Um, again, insurance, it, it's, you know, um, everybody has their own risk tolerance as it relates to how they protect um, themselves. So, it is an option. Again, sometimes families aren't um, aware of it. And um, the other thing I want to mention regarding uh, tuition insurance is many schools have a tuition refund policy should the student withdraw. So definitely look at the school's policy first um, and, and see what um, is... Um, offered and at what kind of point in time in the semester um, where you could get up to a 50% refund or something of, of that nature. 
And, you know, you may not need uh, tuition insurance, but it is out there. It is available. Um, like I said, most institutions have partnered with, um, and uh, there's only a couple entities that offer it. So, uh, but check with your school on their refund policy first. And as with everything, read the fine print. Yes. I do know that when we talked about this last was during COVID and, you know, a lot of people were thinking, oh, I'll get this. And that way, if the school goes remote, we'll just withdraw. And then, and I do, what I recall is that there was a high likelihood that the, the scenarios they were getting the insurance to cover would not have qualified for coverage. So, you know, if you're going to do this, you want to really read that fine print for sure. Absolutely. It, it typically does not cover if there is a worldwide, you know, health uh, right. scenario like COVID. Um, and, and so, again, make sure you look and see what actually uh, the policy does protect you against. Exactly. Um, we have another minute. Uh, any other insurances that we didn't talk about that you think uh, a student might need? Um, kind of last would be if a family is financing and borrowing a lot for the young adult to go to college, especially on the private side, um, a lot of those policies um, ex- uh, loan um do not, uh, are not covered if something should happen to the student. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a co-signer, the parent would still be um, liable to repay that debt. And so if you're borrowing um, a lot uh, in the private loan arena, you might want to look at a very inexpensive term life insurance policy should something unforeseen happen. Awesome. Michelle, thank you so much for joining today. See, you made it interesting. I learned some things. I love it. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good day. Yeah, same to you. All right. So um, thanks to Michelle. Thanks to Hannah. Um, Next week, I'm back hosting. We're going to be talking about summer college visits, some good questions to ask from a financial perspective while you're on campus, um, and also how to encourage your kids to be more inquisitive and the kinds of things that they can do um, that might help them figure out the things they're interested in. Um, Also, don't forget, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and we are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.